Welcome to the Live More, Regret Less podcast. This is the place to be for the guy who wants more strength and freedom so he can go out and get what he wants in life. Masculinity, women, mastery, more energy, a better tribe, and whatever the hell it is that makes you feel alive. We talk about what really matters so that you can have the right purpose, the power to pursue it, and the drive to sustain Sweet. G'day guys, hope we're doing well today. And we're back with another episode. Today we've got Connor Beaton on the podcast. How you doing, man? I'm great, dude. Thanks for having me. Wicked. So it's a little bit of tradition here. Um, I got this idea from a friend of mine, Tim Longhurst, in our men's group in Bondi in New South Wales. And we always check in with a high and a low for the week. So I'm going to model that. And yeah, then you can follow on if you feel comfortable. So my high for the week, um, I just got back from a spear fishing trip up in Durian Bay and shot two decent sized deweys, kingfish and a ball chin groper from not having spent much time in the water over the last year. It was really cool to get back in there and yeah, and just felt so alive. I love, absolutely love that. So there's going to be more of that happening in the next few weeks. And my low for the week, I think, was coming back and and coming back to reality, I think. I was like, whoa, I've got some stuff to do. And yeah, just sort of, I was in a bit of a funk on the drive down, but I'm feeling pretty good right now. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, I'm, I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to, I'm going to do it backwards if, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, but basically, cause I like, so there's this thing called peak end theory and it's like what you, what you end on is what you leave people with from an emotional state. And so I like to do the, the bad first, then you know, the low first and then the highs second. So, um, so I'll start off with the low last week, uh, the day before, uh, last Friday, the day before the, this big event, um, that I put on here in Vancouver, BC, I was totally stressed out. You know, we had like a whole bunch of people coming and, uh, and was just, just feeling a little bit overwhelmed. There's a lot to do from an event standpoint. So I'd been up for, you know, a while and there's lots of details that were, that were needing to be taken, taken care of. And so there was a bit of a, a stressed out moment on Friday where I was like, you know, frick, like, how is this event going to come together tomorrow with everything that needs to happen in the next 24 hours? Um, but my team crushed it and they, they pulled it together. So that was my, that was my low moment of just kind of, you know, having that, uh, that stress of putting on a massive event. Plus I was speaking at the event. So I'm trying to like memorize my talk and get my talk ready. And at the same time, you know, manage all the details for the event. So, so that was the low. And then the high was actually the event itself. Uh, cause it came together really, really well. And, uh, we had Gary Vaynerchuk, um, come and speak. He was the closing speaker, and I got to interview him uh, privately for about 20 minutes. And he spoke on stage, and then I interviewed him on stage, and I spoke before him, which was incredible. Uh, and then we had a VIP dinner, got to hang out with him, and then I I drove him back to his hotel, him and D Rock, his videographer, and we had to, got to have like a good chat. So I got some, you know, serious one-on-one -on -one time with Gary V on Saturday, and you know we had 15 people. 15 1500 people out to this event and it, it was it was awesome it was the first really really big uh event that we've done at that size so that was my that was my high that i rode for quite a few days i still might be on that high actually i'm still surfing that wave a little bit <laughs> man that's really cool i'm gonna i'm gonna switch it up from now on i really like that that's cool that sounds awesome that sounds awesome okay sweet so um i mean for a lot of guys they might not know what it is that you just did or you know what is man talks could you just give us like a little bit of a brief overview and explain what that is and then how you how you came to create this uh, thing that you do on the weekend? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so just to kind of give the, the condensed version, I guess Man, Man Talks is, uh, it's an event and we're an organization geared towards men's personal and professional development so we have events all over North America we're in over a dozen cities now in North America and um, that's the one side so it's a nonprofit called the Man It Forward Foundation and we have these events that are open to men and women 
and we have incredible speakers come out and they basically share their autobiography. So for all the listeners out there, if you were to come to a Man Talks event, what that would be like, or if you're going to speak at a Man Talks event, um, the first question we ask is, what would the title to your autobiography be? And what would your autobiography sound like if you had to condense it into 20 minutes? And those are the types of stories that, that are told at Man Talks. Um, so that's the event. And then outside of that, we have mastermind groups uh, that are launching in all the subsequent cities. So right now, we have them in Vancouver and Calgary and Canada, but they're launching in all the cities that we're in around uh, around the United States and across Canada. So that's kind of the, the high level of what we do and why why we do it um, came out of my own personal experience where you know, I'd, I'd been, I'd built this, what seemed like on the outside to be this, you know, very successful life where I had this great partner and, and, you know, great career and I was traveling the world and, and, and from the outside, it looked amazing. And behind the scenes, I was really struggling and it all fell apart, you know, because the more that we try to hide things, the more power that they actually have over us. And so the more I tried to hide it, the stronger it got. And then everything sort of fell apart and my career got put on hold and my relationship fell apart. And because I was, you know, because my ego was so big and so, cause I was so proud, I felt like I couldn't reach out for help because reaching out for help made me less of a man, like made me even more of a failure as a man. And so I had a lot of shame and guilt. And so I spent a few weeks living out of the back of my car. And, um, and it was in, in that space where, you know, one night I was laying in the back of my car and it'd been like three, three weeks of just, you know, living in the back seat, which just freaking sucked. And and one night I was, you know, laying there and looking out at the stars and I realized that I really had only had two choices. One was to was to, you know, pull my shit together and go and start talking to people <clears throat> about what would actually been going on and the truth about what had actually been going on and, and get some support from people who I knew cared about me. Or option number two was to end things entirely. And nobody had to knew Nobody had to know what was going on behind the scenes. And when I made it that black and white, I realized that that option number two was a really horrible option. And it made me realize how far I had fallen, you know, how far down the hole I had gone when I was contemplating those things. And so, you know, the next day I got in my car, I drove to one of my buddy's places and I kind of laid everything out on the table. And when I laid everything on the table, he broke down and told me that he had tried to hang himself a month and a half before. And I realized in that moment that, you know, there's a lot of people that are out there that seem like they have all their shit together who are really struggling. And the more, the more that I, over the next couple of weeks and over the next couple of months, the more that I connected with other guys in my life, guys who I thought were, you know, really successful and millionaires and guys that had great families and marriages, the more that I realized that everybody has their shit. And a lot of the guys weren't talking about it, you know, like they had, they had great careers going on, but they were struggling financially or they had great marriages, but they were struggling with their kids and nobody even talking about these things. And it made me realize that there was such an opportunity to create that space for men to have like the really meaningful conversations about the shit that matters in their life, you know, like to talk about to talk about what it's like to try and run a business and balance out being a husband and a father or try and be a professional and balance out just getting time with your family and your friends. And so that that was the intention. And so in that moment, I realized that I wanted to build something to support guys on that. And it wasn't until almost three and a half, four years later that man talks actually came into existence. So there was a lot of work uh, that got done in between the, the realization that I wanted to do something and the actualization idea. And um, like something that I, I mean, really, struggle with is unless I'm in a, in a circle or that safe space, I still find it hard to talk to people about what the hell's going on because I feel like I'm weak and how do, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sure a lot of guys still deal with that. How do, how do people get over that? I mean, that's why I feel like the, the groups are so important because it's just that safe container where I can where I can speak out and know that I'm not being judged. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a hugely important thing, right? Like, there's there's emotional resiliency, right? Which is which is strength, which is what we perceive. You know, like when we look at a really strong guy, or we have a, a role model of a man in our life, whether he's a, a a role model from an entrepreneurial standpoint, or he's a role model to us from a family standpoint, or business, or whatever the case may be. For the most part, the majority of them that are that are great role models who who live up to the perception that we have of them, for the majority of that, they have emotional resiliency. And for the for the most part, guys see that and they think that they need to be emotionally suppressed. And so they instead of dealing with the things that come up, they just start shoving them down and not dealing with them, right? And that's what leads to things like drinking or doing drugs or you know, cheating in your relationship or gambling, like whatever it is, that's what leads to these really unhealthy behaviors um, because that emotional repression needs to come out somewhere, right? Because it's not being dealt with. And so when you have these really tight-knit communities of guys that you can actually go and have these meaningful conversations with, the, these brotherhoods, you're able to talk about the the things that really matter and you're able to understand what's going on, but you're also able to process it and integrate it and that's the most important piece because then you can go back to your partner, you can go back to your business partner, or you can go back to your, you know, your wife or your, you know, girlfriend or boyfriend, like whatever that looks like. And you can actually, you know, own your own shit within that conversation. And you can have a real connected conversation with them rather than one where, you know, you're carrying around all this shame or you're being a victim and you're blaming the other person. And so that's why these that's why these spaces are so important. And not only that, but like historically, men have had these really close knit small tribes. You know, like we used to go hunt together, and that's where these conversations would hap- happen. We would hunt together, and we would pass down this information, and you know, we would we would eat together, and we would talk about this kind of stuff. It, it, it's it's been there for a really long time, but the more connected we become online the less connected most people become in person and so that social connection currency is so valuable and that's why we need these in-person uh you know meetings even more so now in our modern day culture Mm, absolutely and it's like i sort of you know i sort of got into this sort of space when i was like 17 18 you know of talking about my emotions and whatnot and it amazes me how you know, sitting in circle and just doing like, even just doing a check-in and, you know, people checking in like, hey, I'm feeling like this right now. Guys have, you know, broken down in tears and been like, I've never said that before. I've never shared how I'm just feeling right now. You know, that's such a critical, it's been an amazing pillar in my life. But yeah, it's so critical. I really, really appreciate what you said. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, well, you have this man talks Monday. What are the what are common themes you see coming up around that, and about what it means to be a man today, and what does that mean to you? Like, what are the what are the threads that follow through that have popped up? Yeah, there's there's a few things. Like with man talks, we talk about purpose, fulfillment, and legacy. Those are sort of the three things that are. It's like the foundation of what our brand is predicated on or built on. You know, a lot of the guys are struggling because they feel like they're lacking a sense of purpose or direction in their life, right? So they, I look at, I look at purpose as meaning, right? What meaning do you have in your life? Do you feel like your life is empty and meaningless in some sense? Or is there like a big void? Like, do you feel like your work is just shit and you're not happy with it? That's, that's purpose. And then the second sense is fulfillment. Are you fulfilled in all the, all the things that you're doing? And the last piece is the legacy. Are you building your life in such a way that you are not only making an impact in the moment, but you're building a life that will leave some form of a legacy after you're gone? And that usually gets pretty important for the men who are in their 40s and 50s. Usually when we're in our like 20s and 30s, we don't really think about that too, too much. There's an odd guy out there that's listening to this. who's probably like, I'm obsessed with my legacy. Um, but for most guys in their 20s, 30s, what they're really looking at is building something that's meaningful, that gives them a sense of purpose in their life, that gives them a sense of fulfillment in their life. And so that, that's kind of the red thread. But then the other big piece is the balance piece. Like, how do I find balance? I hear it all the time, like all the time. How do I, how do I achieve a sense of balance 
and how do I deal with failure? Those seem to be the two really big questions that come up, failure in relationship, failure in business, failure in friendship, personal sense of failure. Um, it, it, it's, it's just, that's a very prominent theme. There's a lot of struggle with that. So I'd say that those are, those are the main components. Mm, that failure one is like really, 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 can be really scary, can't it? Um, mm. So you did a recent post about that and the reality of the game. What did you do to keep moving past the hurdles coming up to the Real Talk Summit and create this thing that you'd envisioned? Yeah, I mean, I th at first, I think we need to understand that failure is a legitimate part of the process. I think there's like, you know, the, the perfectionists that are listening to this podcast are inevitably trying to create their life in such a way that failure doesn't exist. And that's just never going to happen, you know. So I think first and foremost is acknowledging that as much as we don't like failure, or we don't want to fail. And that might not resonate with everybody, but the majority of people out there, when they really look at their actions on a day-to-day -day basis and they really look at how they're scheduling their time and their phone calls and their connections, it's set up in such a way to try and avoid failure, right? And so we, we need to realize that first and foremost, failures are part of the process. And secondly, we need to understand that a lot of our actions are are set up for us to try and avoid failure. But the magic actually happens when we're close to failing or when we are failing, because it's in that space where we get to start to see what we're doing wrong, where we have opportunity to grow. And you know, the the thing that helps shift my mindset on this and, and my sort of like soul set on it was a lot of research in and around some of the best companies in the world. If you look at things like Facebook, Airbnb, Uber, um, Apple, Microsoft, the majority of huge companies that we see in the world, they actually were created in economic downturns. They, they were created out of this sort of like primordial shit stew of failure from an economic, like a global economic space. So once I realized that, that like, you know, and, and from a, a, a quote that my dad said, he's like, you know, shit makes the best fertilizer because it helps, it helps things grow. And, and that's just the reality of the situation is that, you know, plants need fertilizer to grow it needs it needs shit to grow. And sometimes so do we, you know, like that's what helps build the resilience. It's in those moments that we either make ourselves or break ourselves. And, and hopefully we don't break ourselves. But if we're very self-aware, uh, if we understand that we're that we're taking on something for a very specific reason, then we can start to actually leverage failure. We can start to leverage these moments that it feels like uh, it feels like we have a lot to learn because the reality is we do. So you know, in putting on this event for 1,500 people, man, I had so much to learn, um, I, and there were so many failures along the way where I just felt like you know, punching walls and breaking things. But the reality was that in those moments where I felt angry, I could just pause for a minute and check in and ask myself, like, why am I angry? What do I feel like I'm failing on right now? And there would inevitably be a really huge lesson in there, you know, because every single time that, like, for an example, I had to make a call 11 days before the event to move the VIP dinner. And we had put together this VIP dinner so that, uh, you know, a bunch of people could go and have dinner with Gary Vaynerchuk and all the rest of the speakers. And it's a high price VIP dinner. And we had created a deal with a restaurant here in Vancouver to have the VIP dinner there. And 11, 12 days before the event happened, I had to make a call because we had a waiting list of like 20 or 30 people who wanted into the dinner. And the space that we had wouldn't hold all of those people, wouldn't hold all the extra people. And so it was like we were losing out. We would be losing out on money. We'd be losing out on, on um, you know, a good consumer experience. There's a whole bunch of pieces. And so I had made that deal preemptively. It was a bad deal in the first place. And 12 days before the event, I had to make the call of moving that VIP dinner to a different location. And it cost us a lot of money to do that. And it was like a lot more stress. And I felt like I was a failure in that moment. But reflecting on it, it was 100% the right choice because people had a better experience. And even though I had to eat like a shit sandwich in the moment um, and kind of get my ass handed to me by, by somebody who I'd made a deal with, 
Um, it was the right choice to make, and I learned from it. And so setting up for next year, setting up for 2018, I can make more powerful choices because I failed in the moment and and was able to learn a valuable lesson from it. So just to kind of like wrap that up in like a little bit of a because I know failure, that's a lot of information and failure is a big piece. I would say recognize that it's it's the path to success, you know, like any successful person that you meet will tell you that the path to success is failure, you know, repeatedly, you're going to fail, you're going to have setbacks. And it's just, it's just a part of it. And we can't make failure a part of our identity. That's, that's where we have to separate. Um, that's what we have to separate. Mm. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And what, so what do you think people are kidding themselves about the reality of the game? That it is paved with failure? Or that it's harder than they think? Uh, I think people have an expectation. I mean, listen, there's a lot of people out there that have an expectation that shit should be easy. You know, like we're all looking for the fucking lottery. And I see so many people out there treating the path to success. Can I swear on your podcast, by the way? Is it okay? Go for it. Love it. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of people... A lot of people think that the path to success should be like winning a lottery. You just like you try and put some money in, and then eventually you strike gold. And because they see all these successes out there, who you know become quote unquote overnight successes, and you see these companies that go from you know being these little tiny ass companies to these massive organizations that are on a global scale. And the reality is, is that that takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of failure. And so I think that people oftentimes before they get into it, they have a perception that, you know, very little failure happens, but failure happens on a daily basis. And, and I think the common misconception is that really like the, that there isn't really like the difference between successful people and non-successful people comes down to intelligence or comes down to resources. I think that's bullshit. I, th- from my perspective, the real difference between very successful people and people who are not successful are the ones who are able to risk and the ones who are able, able to be resilient to failure with the understanding of when to risk intelligently and and resilient to the fact that it might not always pay off. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I can't believe how much in my own life, you know, in the last just getting into, I guess, the work world and just expecting, <laughs> I was just expecting a shortcut. I was looking for a shortcut the whole time and just wasn't, was not enjoying myself at all because I was just searching for something that didn't exist and wasn't even really making any progress. It was amazing how I just got stuck on this hamster wheel and then being like, shit, nothing's even even happening. You know, it was, oh, it's crazy. Um, mm. So... If, like, how do we start caring about, because it's easy to get stuck on that hamster wheel, it's easy to start, keep looking for that shortcut, that lottery ticket. How do guys really start caring about the things that matter in their lives? Because in in my experience, and you know, some of the guys that I've spoken to, it's, it's easy to push those things aside. It's easy to think, this is just a distraction. If I'm having fun, I'm not working hard, and... At the same time, I can list the things that make me happy, but I can't seem to make them a priority. I mean, how do how do guys get past that point? Because once you start to use those things, you become a more, you sort of have more fun. That gives you an ability to work harder. It gives you an ability to be more creative. How do you get past that barrier? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a there's a couple of things in there. Um, first and foremost, I, I would say that the avoidance of suffering is suffering, right? Like, the more that we try and avoid something, the more that we try and avoid the negative, the actual like the more charged it gets. So I would just say that again, the avoidance of suffering is suffering. And so for a lot of the guys out there that you know are trying to build this like um, this really Eden like. Or, or sort of ethereal sense of happiness. Like you're never going to be 100% happy 100% of the time. You know, shit's, shit's going to come up and failure's going to happen and disappointment's going to happen. Like that's, that's the reality of life. And trying to avoid all of that and just seek happiness 100% of the time actually causes more problems than anything else. 
And so being connected with reality, I think, is, is important first and foremost. Secondly, I would say stop trying to time manage and start prioritize, priority managing. So I see a lot of guys, especially in the corporate world, and this is something that we work a lot on with Mantox, who are so obsessed with time management. They've got the color-coordinated freaking you know, iCals and Outlook calendars and shit like that. And they're trying to manage their time down to the minute. And and the and the reality of the situation is they're still miserable, right? They're still hating their life. And and the reason why that happens is because they're managing, they're trying to manage their time, but they're not managing their priorities. So an example of this is saying, okay, um, you know, right now I'm spending most of my time at work, but my top number one priority is my family and spending time with them. Well, if that's really your top number one priority, you might have to make some shifts in your life that that are going to be uncomfortable. You know, that might not give you like if your number one priority is your family and spending time with them. You know, maybe working the corporate job that you have to work ninety hours a week and travel around the world and yada yada yada, all to provide the like BMW for your wife and all that other shit. Maybe that's not for you. But a lot of people don't want to admit that. And so they go through life, they go through with their priorities not being managed properly because what they want to be priority number one and number two are actually priority number five or number six. And they they don't want to address that. So they try and go about managing their time more effectively or more efficiently. And and it, it, the system is just broken. They're focusing on the wrong thing. So I would say priority management is the biggest thing. How you actually do that, and this is the really this is the really important part. You know, you said sitting down and writing on a piece of paper what your priorities are. Well, you know, the the fact is, look, I'll give you one question. If, when you sit down and you write your priorities out. And you say, you know, priority number one is my family. Priority number two is my health. Priority number three is my career. Priority number four, like if, if this is your list. After you write down your top five or top seven priorities, then asking yourself the question, what's one truth I'm avoiding about my priorities right now? What's one truth I'm avoiding about my priorities right now? And the reason why you need to ask that question is that there's inevitably a truth that you don't want to look at that's allowing you to stay stuck, that's allowing you to keep your priorities completely out of whack where you know, you've got work actually as number one when what you want is family, right? And that's the really important piece because here's the deal. Self-awareness is a competitive advantage. Self-awareness is the only path to, you know, quote unquote happiness, because the more self-aware you are, the more that you can move your career, your family, your health, all those pieces in the right direction. And you're not scared of integrating the failures, not scared of integrating the parts that you might not want to look at. So that that's kind of what I have to say about that. Totally. Thanks a lot. That was really great. Um, man, so if I was, I just want to ask you, if I was someone struggling with emotions, and feeling like they're wrong, I just can't, I just can't figure it out. And it just didn't make sense. What's, what are some first steps for them to make? You know, where, where are these, where are the places that they can go? Such, awesome. as, such so, as man talks and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, I would just say that, you know, the majority of guys are so, and this is a generalization, but the majority of guys are so out of touch with what emotions mean to them like emotions are like this scary negative thing you know like you're talking about if you said to a man like oh you're being emotional that's like that's like damaging <laughs> right like could you imagine saying that to a guy saying that to like another dude be like bro you're being emotional he'd fucking lose his shit right he'd be like he'd want to fist fight you right like that's that's what would happen but the reality is is that the majority of guys that i meet their biggest issue Besides the failure, besides the priorities, besides, like all those things, the real issue at the core of it is that they can't get out of their fucking head. They cannot get out of their head. And they're so stuck 
in their head, in their thinking body, that they have like analysis paralysis, right? They're just in there and they can't stop thinking and they don't know how to drop into their body. They don't know what their heart wants. They don't know what their soul wants. They don't know what the, what like lights them up. They don't know how to move past that. They don't even know how to like move into their body from like a sexual standpoint, you know, like how do I get into my body and, and actually be present for my partner and actually be present for you know, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, how do I be present for my woman and like really be intimate with her and really have sex with her rather than just like from a surface level physical space? And so the the main issue that most guys face is being able to drop out of their head and drop into their body, you know, and become aware to what's actually going on in that space. That's that's where the real shift starts to happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So, how how do how do we do that? It seems like such it can seem like such a complex thing that that paralysis paralysis by analysis. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Go for yes. It. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's a couple of things. Like one, you know, obviously having a band of brothers is a really important thing. Whether you go to Man Talks, whether you join, you know, like our community or somebody else's community. I mean, find one that that resonates with you. You know, what I'm saying might piss you off, and you might not like what I have to say right now. Great, like don't, don't join don't join our tribe, right? There's probably there's a bunch of other ones out there that that are gonna resonate with you more. And and so find one that resonates with you because there's there's this shitty perception that as a man, we either need to do it alone or not at all. And it's garbage. You know, like it's complete garbage. Like if you're out there and you think that you need to do everything by yourself, you're not gonna get very far. There's a really there's a great African proverb that says you can go fast. You can go fast alone or you can go far together. And I have seen that time and time and time again. You know, like that's why the army works so well. That's why companies work so well. It's not just a one man show. There's a group of people who are supporting you in achieving, you know, like your, your, your soul goals, you know, like the goals that really fulfill you and light you up and get you out of bed in the morning, not just the monetary goals. So I would say first is really important to find a group of guys that are willing to hold you accountable. And just on that note, since this is a, this podcast is more geared towards men, I would say there's, there's three types of men in our life. Um, the, the first, the first level are the guys who look up to us. So these are the men that are kind of like our, our buddies that have known us for a while, but they look up to us. They, you know, they respect us and they kind of have us on a pedestal. The second group of guys are the guys who stand next to us. Now, these are the guys who, you know, are our friends. We, we go through it thick and thin. They have our back. They support us. And then the final stage is, is the men who call us forward. And this is where a lot of men are lacking. And this is why communities like Man Talks, you know, like last year we launched in 12 cities. And that's not happening because we have some, like, secret sauce or anything else like that. It's because we, we create groups of men who are calling each other forward. Because so many guys are, are lacking in relationships where they're they're willing to hold you to their accountable to a higher standard. And not in a negative way, not from an ego space, but in the space of, hey, I know that you can be better than that. I know because you've told me what you want to be capable of, and I'm going to hold you to that standard. So those are the three types of men. And if the, you know, the guys on this podcast that are listening in, if they really tune in, if they really like really look at their friend circle, a lot of guys are missing that last phase. And these don't have to be mentors. Uh, you know, they can be mentors. They can be coaches, but they could also be a group of guys that they go meet up with. Um, so that is hugely, hugely important to, to have in your life. Ooh, man, I can vouch for that. That is just, that just takes you to that next level and it really it's like it's like there's something missing you know when you're trying to give all you've got and then yes is he just that someone saying hey you can do better than that is so it's such a gift because it really takes you to that place where you you're giving your nth degree you're really living living on my edge that's that's fantastic it's really cool mm-hmm. so i mean we, you talked a little bit about women what do you think women want or need from from men at the moment what do you think this that's missing that really sort of needs to be brought to the table by us guys yeah that's a great question i feel like we could do like 
I feel like we could do like a whole episode on this. Um, but uh, the 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 overview that I'll give you is that what women are really looking for from men, what they really want from men is presence and connection. And the issue is that the majority of men, like I said before, are so in their head that they actually have no freaking clue what it's like to be present for a woman. And they have no clue what it's like to really feel connected to a woman. And, and so, you know, they, they don't know how to actually drop into that space. And that's what a lot of women are looking for. Like they, they want you to put your phone away. They want you to be able to look them in the eye and be present for them and to like, to actually like take them in, you know, and, and, and kind of like own your space. The more women that I talk to, by the way, they confirm this night and day. And it doesn't matter where I go in the world, whether it's Canada or the United States or the UK or Australia or Asia, like it just doesn't matter. All women say the same thing. One of the most attractive things that a man can do is to be present and to feel connected. And most guys, when when they are asked if they know how to do that or if they've ever even considered that, they they have no clue. And what that entails, again, going back to what I talked about before, is being able to drop into the body. You know, being able to drop into the body and be present and quiet the mind. Because the masculine and the feminine, like the feminine energy is like very flowing it's very like all over the place sometimes a little bit a little bit sporadic but it's life you know it's creation it's that sort of like that essence of life and the masculine energy is very present it's kind of stoic and that doesn't mean that you're shut down or that you're closed off you're actually very open and receptive but you're so present into the moment that the woman feels like she's the only thing that you see and, and are experiencing in that moment. And for her, that allows her to soften, that allows her to like really come into the present moment, it allows her to like let go of thinking about the, you know, what, what's going to get made later or what she needs to pick up from the grocery store, like what's going on with her work or the kids or any of those other details. It allows all of that to sort of like soften away and it allows her to be present. So that's that's what I would say are the two most important things is figure out how to be present and how to connect because for so many women, they're looking for intimacy and that can come through a lot of, that can come through a lot of ways, right? Like women are also looking for a sense of vulnerability from a man and that creates intimacy. And I know that that's like, I, I can hear the guys on the other end of this podcast being like, oh, <laughs> vulnerability. I fucking hate that word. But but let me put it to you this way. Vulnerability doesn't mean that you're like overly emotional and you got to like break down crying to be vulnerable to a woman in your life. Vulnerability is more than just emotional. It's It's social and it's physical, right? And so what I mean by that is you have to be willing to, to put yourself into vulnerable social situations, right? So that means going up and approaching a woman at a bar and saying, hey, you know what? I caught your eye. I think that you're really attractive. And if you're single, I would love to buy you dinner at some point. Or I'd love to grab coffee with you at some point. Like that takes cojones, but that's vulnerability because you're putting yourself in a space to be rejected, right? That's social vulnerability, Physical vulnerability is another one. Like, are you okay with being in large groups? Are you okay with being in, in parties and connecting with new people? And, and again, being being physically vulnerable in that situation. So it, I think expanding our perception of what vulnerability means is extremely important because that will also create a much deeper level of intimacy with the women in our life who are looking to connect with us. It doesn't mean that once a week you need to like, open up and like have an eye gazing thing with her and like break down crying or anything like that. Like that's, that's actually not what most women are looking for, right? Like if that happens, that's okay. You know, it happens. But what most women are looking for is can you own your shit? Can you show up for me? Can you put your goddamn phone away when we're out for dinner and be present with me? Can you hear what I'm saying without having to try and fix every detail that's going on in my life? Uh, and by the way, just to add that last piece, and I know I'm adding in a, a ton of stuff right now. I don't mean to pile it on for everybody listening. I hope you're taking notes. Um, but the last piece is that like women really want to be heard, you know, and 
and they don't want to be fixed. Oh, and nine, totally. nine times out of 10, when they don't feel heard or they don't feel like you connect or if you hear the complaint, this is, this is great, you never listen to me or you don't understand me or I feel like you don't see me, those are all the same thing. They're all saying, when I have a complaint or a criticism, you are trying to fix it. And she does not want you to fix it. I'm going to give you a really simple formula because I know that as men, we love shit to be black and white and formulaic. So here's a simple formula to remember. It's really easy. Complaints and criticisms equal emotional needs. Complaints and criticisms equal emotional needs. So when your partner or a woman in your life, whether it's your mother or sister or a woman you work with, like whatever it is, when she has a complaint or a criticism, there's an emotional need behind that that's not being met, right? And the biggest challenge that a guy has is that in a relationship, he'll hear a complaint or a criticism. And because he's not self-aware enough, because he's not like, you know, awake enough, what happens is his brain hears that, his ego hears it, and his ego goes into either defense or offense, right? So it'll start defending his position or he'll go on the attack to prove that she's wrong. And she will never feel heard in that space, ever. And so what ends up happening is that her criticism and complaint, behind that is the emotional need that's just not getting met time and time and time again. It's not being met. And then from the guy's side, because he's not self-aware enough, he starts to feel like, I'm a failure. She doesn't love me. She doesn't care. She thinks that I you know, can't communicate, blah, blah, blah. All this narrative and story will come up. And nothing ever gets resolved or fixed. So if we can stay in that moment and not try and fix anything, but actually hear her and remember in that moment, like just catch yourself and be like, okay, she's got a complaint about something, whether it's with you or with work. What that means is that she has an emotional need that's not being met. Let me see if I can understand what that emotional need is. So she might say something like, you know what? You never take out the garbage at night. And like, I, all I want is for you just like to take out the garbage and you didn't do it. You said you're going to do it and, and you're not. And to, to, to understand what is going on from an emotional state behind that is actually the key because of course you can take out the garbage and solve the issue like that, but the emotional need still isn't being met. So to understand it is going to be really important and to say like, well, like what, what does it feel like when I don't take out the garbage and don't follow through with what I said I was going to do? Oh, well, it feels like I can't trust you. Cool. There's the emotional need. So now she feels heard. And now you can take action with following through on your word. You can own it and say, you know what? You're right. I said I was going to take the garbage out. I didn't do that. I own that. That's on me. And, and then don't even promise anything in the future. Just do it next time. Let your actions speak as the resolution to the issue to solve that problem. Oh man, I'm just like picking apart all the times that I, like even with that awareness, I'm just like <laughs> that reaction, you know, it's like, but I fixed it. Why is this like, why are you not happy? And it's totally just, yeah, it, exactly, exactly, exactly. And that's, that's, I mean, we want to treat our partners and the women in our life, like, like our dude friends, you know, like women are not non hairy men, you know, like they're, they're not, they're not cleanly shaven, curvy men. That's not. And yet that's how we try and treat them all the time, right? Because if it was one of our buddies, we'd be like, okay, bro, like, sorry about that. Uh, you know, I'll just do this and, and it'll be fixed. And he's like, yep, cool. That sounds great. Yeah, it's like a uh, but that's how. We, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's just like, cool. Now it's, now it's all good. That's not how it works with women, right? So it's important to have that distinction. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd like to, um, oh man, that's just gold, isn't it? Um, so I'd like to just dive in you know, just jump back to that prioritizing and stuff. Like I'd love to hear what are the essentials in your own life and how do you ensure that you, you get them to, to maintain balance? Yeah. So great question. So, um, you know, my, my relationship is a pretty high priority right now. Um, my partner lives in New York and I split my time between New York and Vancouver. And because of my work, I travel quite a bit. So, knowing that my relationship is a priority, like my top two priorities right now are, are, are my relationship and my business. Those are the top two. Those are the most important things. And knowing that those two are the most important things that I'm growing a brand, growing, you know, uh, uh, an international organization, 
having very clear communication with my partner to make sure that she's included on the conversation and to make sure that I understand what her emotional needs are so that she can feel uh, included in that conversation. But she also feels included in in the process of growing the brand and she also feels included in the process of growing together as a couple is extremely important. Now my business is separate and she's not a, she's not a part of that, but having her understand and know that I'm committed is the most important piece. So what that looks like is saying, okay, I'm going to be in Vancouver and traveling around the U S for the next three weeks. And this is, this is legitimate right now. I'm, I'm going to Whistler and then down to the States and I'll be traveling around before I go to New York to see her. What do you need? And this is what the conversation would sound like. What, what would you need to feel connected and loved and fulfilled while I'm traveling around? Do you need to have a, you know, a Skype call once a day? Do you need, you know, a text message before bed? Like what are the, what are the essentials? What are the requests or the requirements? Um, and this is this is what I this is the language that I use: requests or requirements. Requirements are kind of like the non-negotiables. So for my partner, something like that would look like: let's have one call a day, whether it's a you know a FaceTime call or a Skype call or just a phone call a day, so that we can stay connected. Cool. I can agree to that. That's a non-negotiable. Has to happen once a day. I'll put it in and I'll block off time to make that happen. And then there's requests. Requests are like the, these are the negotiable pieces, right? So she might say, oh, I want, you know, um, I, I would love for you to send me like X amount of text a day, or I'd love for you to like, just text me before bed or like whatever. And I can say, is that a, is that a requirement or is that a request? Is it a negotiable or is that a non-negotiable? And she can say, oh, that's just a, that's just a nice to have. That's just a request. It's like, okay, cool. I can do that when I can, but it's not going to happen every single day. So being able to understand what your priorities are and then actually what that looks like on a day-to-day basis and, and setting that out. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Written it down. Yeah. It. Yeah. And so and so the, the same goes in the business, right? Like I have a team now of five people and because I travel around a lot, there's a lot of like remote work. And so keeping the vision of what we're building from a brand standpoint is extremely important. And then being able to connect and, and communicate with the team of what their expectations are. Because really, like all those people that you work with, like those are important relationships that need to be managed as well. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for sharing. And, you know, just as we as we wrap up, um, I asked you, what do you think women want or need from men? What What do you think? we need as guys what do you think is really critical for us to get in our lives right now sex (laughs) 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 um no i mean listen i think i think a lot of guys it's funny because like i usually say that uh, men want to connect physically and women like to connect emotionally right and and so in there somewhere, there's a bridge, right? Because most guys, and this isn't universal, this isn't every single man wants to just connect physically and every single woman just wants to connect uh, emotionally. There, you know, there are a lot of cases where it's the opposite of that. But for the, for the most part, I think that a lot of men are looking for a real, meaningful connection in their life. You know, like they're looking for a healthy, good relationship, something that's fulfilling and something that allows them to still live out their purpose, you know, something that allows them to still build and create what they're looking to build and create. And the funny thing is, is that most guys aren't willing or open or even think about putting the level of commitment and work into the relationship that they put into their business or their career. And the, and the interesting thing about that is if you look at divorce stats right now, I'm going to get kind of real on you, but if you look at divorce stats right now, more divorce divorces are being initiated by by women. More divorces are being initiated by women. So that means that more than 50% of divorces are being initiated by, by the women in the relationship. And not only that, but men have a higher fulfillment rating in marriages than women on average. Why is that? It's because most guys get into a relationship and then if it's if it's serious enough, they'll get married to that person. And then it's kind of like, cool, my task is done. My mission is accomplished. I have I have conquered and now I can just kind of like kick back and relax. 
And so a lot of guys get into relationships and just kind of like wash their hands of like, oh, I don't need to do any more work because I've locked her down. And from the woman's perspective, that's not how it works, right? Like they want to continue to work together. They want to continue to, you know, quote unquote, evolve together or, or connect. And it's a process. It's an ongoing process. And so they want to keep doing the work, whereas most guys, you know, were kind of disconnected because we want to be able to find something that supports us in building the other parts of our lives. And so, you know, we want a relationship that's going to allow us to build our business, to build our career, to like, you know, allow us to go out in the world and be quote unquote successful. And so if you really want that, if that's what you really want as a man, you need to be so clear with the women that you're dating. And a lot of guys are scared shitless to do that, right? They're trying to be like these nice guys and yes men. And so they don't actually say what they want to say. So I meet a lot of men who what they really want from women is they want connection, you know, and they want they want a relationship, like they want a, a partnership, right? Somebody who is going to, uh, you know, go out and, and have fun with them, who's going to support them in their in their nine to five or in building their company but who's also going to go out hiking with them and go out camping with them and go be adventurous with them and so there's kind of this shift that a lot of men are looking for their partner for the for the women in their life to do more than they ever have before and i see this especially in guys that are in like their 30s and in their 20s and some guys in their early 40s they want that sort of like you know all around woman somebody who's going to you know what's the what's the what's the phrase? Be be a freak in the sheets, be a lady in the streets, but a freak in the sheets, right? But also somebody who's going to like go camping and do all those sort of like dude things with them. And so we need to be really crystal clear with what we're looking for from women, and that's that's where I see the sort of divide coming from. Wow, beautiful, awesome, powerful words, man. Thanks a lot. I think that's a perfect place to perfect place to wrap it up. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks, Connor. Um, yeah, well, how can guys how can guys get in touch with you and get to your website? What you have got a podcast as well. It's all it's all happening. Your station. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, they can just go to mantalks.com and that will uh, that's where we have the blogs. We have writers from all over North America. We've got a great podcast. Um, we have thousands of downloads a day. We've had we've had guys like Lewis Howes on there and Preston Smiles and. Dan Millman, the guy who wrote um, Way of the Peaceful Warrior. Uh, we've had Navy SEALs and some some really cool guests on there. So they can check that out. And if you want, you can hit me up. Um, and it, it all goes through Man Talks. I run the Man Talks Instagram account and the Facebook and everything like that. So um, if you ever need anything, you can just reach out to me through there and and uh, let me know how I can support you. Mm, that is just an epic episode. That guy is really putting the right foot forward. And you know what would help you to put the right foot forward? If you went and left a review, you went onto iTunes and you were like, shit, dude, this is maybe the best goddamn podcast I've ever heard in my life. Only takes like 30 seconds. You just type in a little username, type in a little comment, put five stars in there, and boom, you're on your way.